At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... The interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks so much for making your way here, checking out the series. Hit the subscribe button uh, to keep up with all the interviews that I put out every single week. It's three brand new interviews every week, a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it is a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, know what's happening in the music world, at all the usual places, including Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, NPR.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, Don Richard. She is back with a brand new album called Second Line, an electro revival that is easily one of my favorite albums of the year. It's a concept, al- uh, concept album that finds her exploring, um, uh, further exploring, really, her New Orleans roots, which she's done in the past, but this time through her mother's narration. Uh, Don, who used to be in Danity Kane and Dirty Money, she also talks about uh, taking electronic music further into the future. Her love of Hans Zimmer's work, we do talk about uh, Blade Runner quite a bit in this, uh, writing over classical pieces and the need for more people of color, women, and queer artists in the electronic music genre. We're also going to be talking about how this is uh, really the second part of what will eventually become a trilogy. And she gives us the details on what to expect from the uh, the third and final album uh, in this uh, this selection. Uh, her animation work with Adult Swim and wanting to turn the character King Creole into an animated series, and she's also a multi-hyphenate artist. She's uh, an actress and starring in the upcoming film Isaac. You're going to get all of that and more. It's Kyle Meredith with Don Richard. Hi, <laughs> how are you? Well, first off, this is amazing. L- like the music is amazing, but also this packaging, like you should win a Grammy for the music, but you should also win the, the digital packaging on this. I because- receive that. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah, like we worked really hard on the packaging. If anybody's followed my career, like 
the delivery of the album is a process, even from the merch to everything is really a big deal to me. Um, and so like this one was like the most in depth we ever went because I had merge with me and it's the coolest like from the Mohawk vinyl to the mirrored uh, hologram kind of foil that we use for the, the project. Super cool. Yeah, it's beautiful. And and as a fan, I always want something more. Like I want the music, I want to connect, I want to have my, but you'd want to open something. You want to, you know, live through this. And it's, it does, like there's an entire world in this album. So I should start out, when did you start conceptualizing this? Um, so I thought I was done. I did New Breed, which was uh, an intro to uh, A Love Letter to New Orleans, which was featured my father as the narrator. And I kind of thought, I had said what I needed to say, but I realized I hadn't because I had just revisited New Orleans again, moved home again. And anyone who knows me knows that Katrina left me homeless and I spent uh, 10, to 10 years away. And then my parents moved back on the 10 year anniversary. And my brother and I have been moving back home uh, ever since. And so I found I had more information, more things I wanted to tell. And the more I got more involved and reintroduced to the city that I love so much that I came from, um, the more I felt like my story wasn't done being told. And so I used not my mother's, uh, my father's narration. My mom became the narrator on this album. Um, and kind of I wanted to introduce people to the roots of why I am the way I am, why I love the way I am, why my music and art is so serious to me and how I've survived so long. And it's because of the roots and the heritage of New Orleans um, with a progressive twist. Yeah, that's the thing, though, because you do. You get all of the what you just said in there, but it also comes through with... Is it is there a character that runs through this? I mean, we see we get Kid Creole right at, at from the beginning, and mm -hmm. like like knowing that there's autobiography to whatever degree in every song. How important is it then to, to for the use of a character in your songwriting? I think it's always been that right. I've always had a, a base. The warrior has always been the underline of all my music, right? We, whether the covers are armor or headdresses, there's always been a level of. Uh, an, a, a certain character that I've kind of embodied that is representative of me, but in a way that's conceptual with each album. King Creole is that is the assassin of genres, stereotypes, and in order to speak about that in my journey, because I felt like this was less about me and the music industry and more about how I've survived. What am I, how did I become this thing? Um, half The first half of the album is the machine, the Android side, which is where I was born. I was born in the music industry through a machine. The making the band, Danity Kane, that whole thing is the algorithm of pop, you know, mainstream formula. It's like the formulas you can get. And then the other half, the, 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 the human side, the DIY side, the indie side is the other half of the album. So once the intermission happens, you get the other part of King Creole, which is the human side. And that album, that's that, that alter ego, that person that represents me, King Creole, is that story. So the album is half Android, half machine, half formula, half vulnerability and half human and half mistakes and mess ups and all the things I had to endure after I left the mainstream world and went into the independent DIY part of my life. So when you're putting something like that together, and again, there's so many levels, which yeah. makes this so much fun. Do you, do, does, the, does that character, does King Creole take on just your story or do you actually go through the process as an actor would, which you're also an actor, of, of, of thinking of an entire backstory that maybe isn't obvious on the record? I think I always start out with it being my journey. And then what I find is as I progress and I go through it and then I listen to the feedback, I realize I am not alone 
on the journeys that I've gone through. And I think on this sixth album, I've realized that my movement, though it's been small, because I had to start, I went from mainstream to all like 50,000 people of performances to hundred seaters, you know, like, and so my motto has always been as a solo artist, you become many. I had to scrounge to deserve my, I had to go backwards. And what I found is my story wasn't just my own. It was many, many, many people, others, misfits, people who have been, man, ostracized way wet from their color, their gender, their sex. And so by the time I've done created this album, I knew though this was about my story, it wouldn't just like they wouldn't, I wouldn't be the only King Creole. And King Creole represents multiple people who have ever felt like for whatever reason, they are the other because I've had a very unconventional journey. And this album just shows that you can be a black woman in electronic music and you know set a precedence that maybe hasn't been there before because we haven't recognized the truth of culture within electronic space. It's trying to show the new breed of artists that we have been here, we just haven't had the opportunity to be shown or seen. And I wanna create a space for us to be able to revisit the roots that were already there from the first place. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was, if you said this or if someone said this about you, but it, you know, the words cultural anthropologist and futurist <laughs> were used. I'll take it, yeah, I'll take it. Well, that, that, you know, I think you've just answered that because, you know, I, with that in mind, it's like, what is the study going on in this record? You know, what are the predictions does that allow? And, and, and again, I think you're talking about that with, with you know, marginalized and, and, and electronic kind of coming together at the same point. Is that something, again, that you realize as you're going along or is that part of the story from the very beginning? From the very beginning. I mean, when I first started doing my solo career, even before then, I had always been in groups or in music, musical uh, groups and projects that were a little bit ahead, like Dirty Money, that concept was a bit ahead. Puff having two chocolatey girls next to him doing music that was electro soul in 2011 wasn't hot. Like that was new, right? Danity Kane being signed, a pop girl group being signed to a rap label wasn't the most like, you know, having showstopper and then dirty, you know, then damaged two completely different dynamics. And then as a solo artist, when I did my albums, you know, they kept calling me alternative R&B as a black girl because I kept doing music that wasn't traditionally R&B. Um, but because of the skin color that I had, I couldn't get out of that genre. Like I just, mm. they'd put like experimental R&B. They had to put right. that next to it. And what I found was, though I didn't care about what I looked like, I wanted to do the music that I did. My, my color was limiting me and society was limiting me for that. So my entire trajectory has been to choose to say, no, we belong here. I think with this album, it was more intentional. Uh, I wanted to show that, I mean, let's be truthful, dance music comes from black culture, Detroit, uh, house music, uh, ballroom, dance, bounce, all of that is a black culturally uh, start, it started with dance. Uh, but we've lost our way in that sense where now when you see the dynamic of what music and electronic is, it's heavily male and heavily white. And that's not a problem. It's just we need to be careful that we don't allow we don't tell the story of the truth of where these things come from, because we're not seeing enough women. We're not seeing when we go to these festivals, the lineups are, you know, equal female DJs to male DJs. It's just a, a lack of awareness that needs to be talked about. It's not saying that men don't deserve to be there. We just need to acknowledge that there needs to be more people of color, more women and more queer artists in the space where they developed it. Right. And I think with this album, I wanted to show that you can have culture, you can have soul, 
um, you can have presence in electronic music and it not feel like it doesn't belong there. They think when you think of electronic music and dance, you, you think this linear thing, right? A top line and the four to the floor. And that's the basis of it when it's so much more. Um, and this album, I hope people will realize that electronic has so much more depth with story, concept and culture. Yeah. And it's always like the one thing I figured out or I've always wondered about the trick with electronic music from the very beginning, it sounded futuristic. And I think that was part of the deal, you know, back in the, you know, the seventies in the early part of the Moogs era, you know, futuristic eighties, very futuristic. I mean, there was a futuristic decade when you're doing it like that's like how, how did you decide where to take it? Because if it's already mm -hmm. supposed to sound like the future, <laughs> that's the best part though. That's the best part, right? Because then you, that's possibilities. That means your voice and your instrument, your instrumentation, your cadence can be moved, can be stretched. And I think when you think about soul and the dynamic of jazz and blues, that's where things get fun because chord progression evolves in that way. That's why House was so huge with Detroit and 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 uh, DC and go go music and 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 Jersey and bounce. You get to p have a cadence and a rhythm that is is ever moving, but the the chord progression can maneuver into all these possibilities. Um, when I think about electronic music, I. I think about a base. And then when you put culture and think about possibility, it becomes endless. And a city like New Orleans that is so enveloped in heritage, roots, color, palette, it is almost mind boggling that we can't see the idea of that because, you know, I immediately see a trolley flying, you know, like our street, our streetcar and flying in the, in the, you know, in the air. And I see, you know, uh, Mardi Gras Indians in 3045 with garb where they're dancing, but it's in a, tra a less traditional way, a more, you know, sci-fi way. Like it's, we're such a visual city. Why couldn't we possibly belong in the post-apocalyptic, you know, 2067 world when we're such a visual city? I just wanted to take that sonically and visually and apply that to this album and show people that it's not just New York. You know, when you think of Blade Runner, you think of New York and, and, and LA as these cities that become desolate, that become the backgrounds to the future, right? This futuristic mm -hmm. idea. New Orleans can totally fit in that from the cemeteries to the, just everything that we embody. There's so much fun to be had there. And I just wanted to take an album and show the possibilities of how beautiful we can be the backdrop of that. Yeah, because, you know, as you're saying that, that gets me thinking like, right, because Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor made some of his best music in New Orleans. I mean, that's where it's it was such happening. A yeah, it's, and it has no genre here. We, you can walk down the street and literally it's rock, zydeco, bluegrass. Like it just, it's endless amounts of music filling the city, filling the air. So to, to think that, you know, coming from the South, that we couldn't create this sound, that I couldn't create this is so hilarious to me when we are a gumbo city. We're built to have multiple genres, multiple uh, uh, cultures. So to create an album that feels multifaceted is almost just obvious to me, you know, like because of what I come from. And that's really what I wanted to do with this album is just open the palette. Right. Show that a black woman as an artist, as a producer, can sit in this space with her peers. I don't want my peers to leave. I want to be able to sit amongst them um, and be equally respected for what I'm doing and not be limited because of what I look like. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. 
There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's so interesting. Of course, you brought brought up uh, Blade Runner and I even wrote it down because um, Radio Free, yeah. like when that starts out, like that's what I heard. Like that's you like- me, yes. Cause that, I mean, that score, that's one of the greatest ever. And to well, even Hans hit on that. Hans, oh, really? Yeah. He's one of my favorites. My dream is, is is to one day be able to score more. And most of my albums have been based off of the influence of what Hans has been, as well as Johan Johansson. Huge f- fans of, of really incredible soundscapes and just what he did with Blade Runner just sonically. Um, I also feel that way with Inception. Just two of my favorite scores because of the, the signature, right? With Inception, it was brass, it was heavy. Mm-hmm. And then with Blade Runner, the synth and the idea of string and futurism together. And that was just, just beautifully done. Yeah. Oh, you, you connected that so well, you know, especially right right there. And then, you know, we got to go way back in time for another one because uh, Le, Le Petit Mort, I think I'm saying that right. Yeah. I mean, here you are going on Moonlight Sonata, which, by the way, I mean, you got to have courage to take something like that and then put your own top line on yeah. top of it. You know, what What made you go for that? Well, what's interesting is if people have followed me, I'm, it's not the first time I've done that. On Golden Heart, uh, uh, I did Golden Heart, my titled album song on the last uh, album was uh, uh, Claire de Lune. I sung on Claire de Lune. So this is not something I always tend to to play with it. And because of that is because of my father's uh, degree in music and how I learned my love of music through his him getting a master's in learning uh, Debussy, Chopin, Beethoven, like that was something that I grew up on. So usually through the album, I'll have something like that through every album. And Moonlight Sonata just to me fit the scoring of what the sequencing of what I was trying to create and just really a wail. It wasn't supposed, like I know some classical people cringe. They're like, oh, she's singing on top of the, cla-. but the, the, the point of it always is, is it's supposed to make you feel something, whether you hate it or love it. It's the truth of how I feel in that moment. And to put something so uh, so vintage, such mm-hmm. something so untouchable, and to put a cry over top of it uh, is so, to me, pure and so uh, chaotic and a real, real to a desolate time of what New Orleans is, right? If you think of the a, a dirty cemetery alone and just kind of like quiet and then you think about that playing it's such an honest place where you would hear something as pure as a Beethoven you know moves nice a lot sonata and then a black girl just pouring her heart out in that moment of what it means to lose to that to, to have a death of something that you already knew the transition of life that's what I think it would sound like something very unconventional something very uncomfortable uh, and I loved, I loved doing, and I do it often on my projects because of that's very, it's, it's, it's very uh, true to me. It, and it's like, I would think that to take something as iconic uh, as a song like that, like, like the story has to match that iconic status. I mean, yeah. what you're doing, like, like, I don't know. I don't know if that's uh, intimidating at all, 
you know, to no, try to get it's because I'm not I'm not looking for people to I'm not get, searching for vindication. I don't I'm not asking the classical world to respect me because I'm and oh, I butchered. No, in this moment, at, this is what I relate to. That record moves me. And I understand that record. That record moves me to say this. That's what I felt when I think of the little death, when I think of a moment of getting rid of something that has been a part of my life for so long, that's the song I feel. And that is what I feel I want to do it on. And what I, what I never do it to be iconic. I choose things that move me. And that was something that I felt like was honest and uh, you'll either love it or hate it, but isn't that art? That's true. You also made me realize that Moonlight Sonata might have been the very first emo song. It's it's so emo. It's know. so good. Right. It's so good. And what's funny is I never really loved, I was more, like I said, I was more of a Debussy fan. So I, like I, Moonlight, Moonlight Sonata came very later in it that I just kept listening to it and it felt like death to me, like a, like a melancholy. Uh, and in the transitional part of the album where I was going to the human side of things to say the very first sentence to be, this is the last time I'm going to talk about, you know, write a song about, about music, about this, 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 uh, this, heart, this hurt was real. Like that's the first thing, this wail of like imperfection against something so beautifully perfect. And so, you know, so beautifully orchestrated while everyone knows this record. And then just to put something really like to call it death, it's like brilliant. It's almost brilliant. Like it's taking something and flipping it on its head. And, and I, I always enjoy doing that because for me, I, I'm not, I'm going to be fearless in the choice of the story it feels good in the story and whether, like I said, I, I don't go with vindication or validation. I just do it. If it, if I'm the concept fits and it's telling the story that I want to tell. Well, those fearless moments are all over it. You know, I'll bring up one more track with, uh, with, with selfish. Yeah. I love the epicness of this song right here. I mean, first from the production of the panning that's going on to the movements. I mean, what, there's three or four movements that happen yeah. in this. Yeah. Just, I, the, the, the basic question, tell me about what went into this one. I have a thing for intros and outros and uh, and ludes to interludes. Uh, they my, like I, I pay more attention to the short moments than I do the long ones. And I thought it'd be really cool to have an outro that was nine minutes long because again, when you think of the end of a film, right, um, that's what you think of, right? When the credits roll, what is this song that plays? And that's how I wanted to create uh, Selfish. And it also builds to the next project and what that will be. Uh, so that it was purposeful to have tradition like constant uh transitions throughout the process of it um also what it means to be selfish can be de depicted in multiple ways we think of ourselves and we think selfish is a negative thing but to be uh to be aware of self and to have self-care uh we feel guilty constantly for the idea of actually catering to ourselves and we go through moments of like i need i need a moment to myself and then when we're in the moment there's guilt and then we try to get out of it and that's exactly what the journey of selfish becomes right the beginning feels like this i'm finally gonna have a moment to myself it's grand there's no mute there's no singing it's just setting it all up and then you're like okay i'm i'm sitting in my selfishness and in the end feels like I spent way too much time thinking about myself. And so it goes into this dark, this darkness, right? And that's the truth of what it means to go through finding yourself. And it's also for me, the third project that I'm working on where it's not going to be about my relationship with music anymore. It's gonna be about my relationship with myself and how I've grown as an artist within myself. And I think that's gonna take a longer, that's a longer song, that's a longer, the process. And so it was perfect for the outro to be this entire experience, because that's the truth of what we go through when we try to find ourselves in that journey.
That's so interesting, just the way the universe kind of sets things in your lap sometimes. I, I'll only recall an interview that I was doing earlier today with Imagine Dragons, and he was talking I about the Dawkins it. book, The Selfish Gene. Yeah. And he was talking about, you know, to help people is selfish. I mean, that's what we were talking about the whole time in there. And it's like, man, this is really speaking to me today, what, mm -hmm. you, what you guys are doing. So it's but it's real, you know, and it's like you, 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 there's guilt constantly when you help others. And then even it's when you turn the mirror to yourself, that's the harder journey. But I also feel like because it's the harder journey, it's the longer one. So it made sense for that to be one of the longer songs on the album because that journey to find self is a way longer process and it is not linear it moves constantly and that that you know even having not vocals the first two minutes of the song is the truth right because your first you have to just look inward and not even say anything you have to decide to even acknowledge that you're going to go to self and that's a true a true journey that i wanted to create within the outro yeah. Well, of course, I've got to ask because you brought it up. So, I mean, you're part three as you're There's talking a part about three. it. Here. There is a part three. How far along are you? That's the thing, right? I didn't want to go and be any farther along. I, I have so many records. Um, mm -hmm. I'm building and I'm not going to give myself a time period. I'm just going to go at it. Uh, I want to breathe with this process because I think uh, I never imagined for this to be received as well as it has been. I'm so grateful. It's been, this is the like, six project and I was just looking at like the amount of love and the the critically acclaimed like it's hard to continuously you know try to give you guys quality and to be purposeful and to have content that is constantly conceptual and with meaning and purpose so I'm gonna take my time but there is a third this is gonna be a trilogy again yeah I love that that's amazing I, didn't I mean, mean for fans yeah for to be <laughs> fans though like that's you know, I'm, I'm I'm surrounded by concept artists all around this room. You know, I've got Bowie behind me and yeah, or, you know great. everybody else. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's I I love this stuff. But it should be noted, like taking your time. This isn't the only thing that you're doing. I was just reading that yeah. you're you're starring in, in Isaac, right? This is a yeah, new, yeah. A, a, a I did a, a new thing that just happened. I'm so excited about it too. I just uh, the last like four months have been prepping uh, for this this greatness that is about to happen. I know Dove Cameron is in it as well. So this is gonna be a fun transition for a serial killer, a more suspenseful type of feel. I'm excited to deep my, dip my toes in that, yeah. Yeah, and uh, what, you're playing an agent, is that right? I am a police agent, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna yeah. be fun, yeah. It sounds like fun. So, you know, you, you've got the acting, you've got the music and you've got this conceptual thing. What, have you thought about writing the screenplay? I mean, it seems like it's the perfect time for the type of things that you're doing. I know, right. I would try. Uh, I've, I've already wanted to do, I'm deaf heavily into animation. I work with Adult Swim, the creative director over Adult Swim, and I wanted to, to take King Creole into a, a, an animated series, actually. And I've been writing for that for a while because I'd love to take this uh, this uh, album and bring it to uh, the, the screen in, the, in an animated journey because I think New Orleans has never really been seen in this animated way. We only think of the princess and the frog. I always say that because that's all we really see New Orleans as. And it is just so much more potential than that. So I really want to bring it uh, to a different space. So I've really been writing for that because I'd love to have my own animated series uh, for this project. Uh, and especially my own production I was to work with more women, people of color, queer animators, because there's a lack of them as well. I've been bringing them to Adult Swim, but I'd love to have my own production house where I house a few uh, incredible creatives that can you know we can pitch to different companies uh, animators to be able to, to to really spread their wings yeah i have no doubt in you that you're going to manifest this and make it happen because that's what you do <laughs> that's what you've already proved <laughs> i'm trying i i I'm, i've been happy I, it was not a conventional path but it is one that i'm very grateful for i had to kind of 
find my own way, claw my own way into it. And I've been very grateful for like whatever I've been able to manifest. It's been a lonely road, but now I have a, a really great team and I'm very grateful for like 15 years later, I'm, I'm able to still be here. Yeah. Well, you're making amazing art out of it and we're benefiting from it. Don, thank, thank you so much. I got to show this again. This is a second line, an electro revival with all the cool colors that you can blend with this. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for caring and and, and working so hard on this because it thank absolutely you. shows. Oh, that means so much to me. And thank you for spending and just talking about this project. It means a lot. Uh, anytime. Thanks for taking the time to talk about it. I hope Please. we can see this live on the stage at some points. Yes, it's already happening. We're announcing soon. So. All right. Yes. We'll see you then. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. We'll see you around. Bye. Big old thanks, Don Richard. The new album is called Second Line, an Electro Revival. Thanks to you for checking out this episode in the series. Please do hit the subscribe button before you get out of here. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, YouTube for the video version, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Three new interviews every single week. After that, head over to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. That's Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also grab me on the uh, the social media spots, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith, uh, TikTok at Kyle Meredith 81 Like and follow along. Make sure to say hi when you do. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. That was amazing. (laughs) It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.